welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yes. How you doing? You did it. I did. I, <laughs> I'm prepping for a week to make sure I, I got it right. I'm doing great. Okay. Uh, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing okay. I'm, uh, <laughs> this is, this has happened to me before. Cause like I've been, Jen's out of town right now. So along oh. with teaching and working on the documentary, I'm also, I've got the kids on my own. Granted, we do have a nanny two days a week and this was a, a nanny day. So I was able to get some work done. Um, but I'm, I'm pretty tired. That's for sure. Uh, and when I'm tired, I tend to uh, emotionally drag and so I've been feeling mm. down and then like but we recorded the movie journal before this and I was and 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 as you and I've just been talking I've been feeling up I've been feeling pretty oh. good and I just thought like I'm doing I'm doing well and then I was like yeah I just had a cup of coffee that's the reason <laughs> and I've I, it's happened to me before where I'll, I will be like I would be driving back when I was teaching like an after school program that I enjoyed working with the kids, but it's just not what I wanted to do. Uh, and it would be a long drive and I, and I just like leave the house in a bad mood and then I would stop off to get gas and I'd get gas station coffee Uh and I'd be, and I'd be drinking it and about halfway through the drive. I'm like, you know what? I'm feeling good. Maybe this isn't so bad. And then I, and I, and I trick myself into thinking I'm happy and in actuality, no, it's just the caffeine coursing through my veins. And my guess is but probably about halfway through this episode, are you gonna crash? I'm going to crash and I'm going to get angry again. Do you, uh, maybe this is a common thing that everyone has. I feel like when I'm tired, I'm not sadder, but I am more emotional. Like my emotions oh, are up sure. at the surface because I've noticed that, uh, if we ever get back to going to film festivals, like, Look, Blinded by the Light is a that movie's great, and it's a tearjerker. It's a very like heartwarming, mm-hmm. you know, uh, tears of joy t- type thing. But I also saw it like five days into a festival at eight thirty in the morning. Yeah, I was so tired when I saw it that I was just like, I was just <laughs> crying, just like sheets of tears because I was uh, just uh, there's no. I I, I guess I, I haven't had time to put my barrier up yet. I guess it's something about when I'm tired. Yeah, if I'm tired, a commercial will make me like tear up. Oh. So this doesn't happen every year, but when I go to the inter- uh, the International Christian Film Festival, I don't know why, but I always think especially like this year, I thought like, oh, I'm not, you know, I'm going to be away from the from the the kids. I don't have to wake up early. You know, I'm going to catch up on some sleep. That was the dumbest fucking thought I could have ever had because friend of the show Jason Eakin came with me oh. and we stayed in the same room and like kids at summer camp we were yeah. just like up late talking about stupid shit uh so i was but i'm always tired at the international christian film festival because i want to man my table and i'm talking to people and going out uh and hanging out with people and then i have to give a talk oh. and the talk could be like just the most boring you know uh mundane pedestrian thing but I doubt it. what was that i doubt it well, I'm just saying, like, for example, like, just like, oh, okay, well, I'm talking, I'm giving, like, a brief summary on, like, the history of film. Not the most emotional thing. Oh, I see. But then I will usually try to, like, sum it up in a way that really, really conveys a passion for film to the the audience. Um, an audience that, despite it being a film festival, by and large, is suspicious of film of oh, any film yeah. that isn't Christian. So I try to just through sheer force of will as, as Norm Macdonald would say, I try to convey passion for all film, not just Christian film. And 
invariably when that happens, I'll start to get choked up Yeah, because I'm so tired. And in my mind, it's just like, there are, there are a hundred people looking at you. You can't, you can't do this. You need to get through what you're getting, what, what you're yeah. saying. And then I realized like, but if you hang a lantern on it, in this case, if you, if you hang a lantern on it and be, be like, I, you know, I, I, I'm getting emotional. And then it's like, Oh, now, now it's an asset, but I do have to be able to get all the way through. Otherwise, yeah. uh, I'll look like a crazy person. Um, I, I can't remember last week. And by the way, thanks to Rick Overton for, for last Absolutely. week. Absolutely. So fun. much fun. Uh, I can't remember. Did I mention that I, on that, or, or the movie journal, that I had just come back from Yellowstone now that I went in with my family to Yellowstone? I, I don't I can't remember, remember if you said, said it on podcast. the show, but yeah. But I uh, got a little choked up at Old Faithful. Sure. <laughs> because it's like, have you been to Old Faithful? I have, yes. So, like, it's not the most majestic part of the park because it's all like there's a gift shop there and there's like planks uh, yeah. and so like and everyone's just like sitting there and picnicking yeah. there's a parking lot behind you it's like and it's not like the grand canyon it's not like majestic or anything even the thing it, itself when when it's not happening it's just like a little mound with yeah. like there's some steam coming out of it so like i part of it was that i wasn't prepared for like oh my god that is really impressive and beautiful also i realize in retrospect this was the day after the most recent un report on climate change mm. uh, came out and so i think there was a part of me that was like i'm glad i got to saw, see this before the, the planet just catches fire or oh, whatever. Okay. Um, and so. then it just it looks like uh there will be blood where it's just this thing of a pillar of sure, fire yeah that's, out. that's yeah. what i'm that's what i'm worried about yeah um but yeah yellowstone was fun but i did get emotional what, what did you you wanted to talk about something before we started the show i i did uh in the spirit of trying to be kind of I guess that there is a, a, a root of negativity in this, but there's also some positivity as well. Um, so I recently watched uh, No Sudden Move. Mm, you talked about it. On the uh, I did. Yeah. And I mentioned that Brendan Fraser is in it. And he has been getting cast in a lot yeah. of stuff yeah. lately. Uh, and one thing that I'm, I'm not saying this to be a jerk, but he has put on some weight over the years. He's a bigger guy now. And, you know, if you remember Encino Man or George of the Jungle or, or you know, The Mummy or... Like, he was a, a very in-shape guy. Yeah. Um, and now he's just older and mm-hmm. bigger. And there were some people, not many, but there were some people online that, like, kind of made fun of him for it. Oh. Uh, which then caused a groundswell of support for people to just like say like like here's how important he is to me because of this movie or that movie or that movie like you know he showed up in a lot of movies in the 90s and early 2000s yeah uh that were f- formative for people even something like blast from the past which is which a movie I've never I, seen. oh you you'd love it oh, you okay. would love it um, and even stuff, you know, for me, stuff like Gods and Monsters and The Quiet American, like he's a he was a very reliable actor. Looney Tunes back in action. Looney Tunes back in action is a good great movie. example. Yeah. Um, I love The Mummy, too. Yeah, that's a it's a f- very fun movie. Um, but. But yeah, so like there are just so many people that were like that sort of came to, to his aid and it's and there was this interview where uh, it was like a zoom interview and, and I don't remember who the interviewer was, but uh, he was just talking about getting cast in like this new, 
in like a new uh, Scorsese movie. And he was talking about like how yeah. intimidated he felt like he's going to be there with like all with Scorsese himself and all these big actors. And, and the interviewer who's, who's a little bit younger, probably, probably even younger than, than, than us, uh, said like, well, you know, I think you're going to do amazing in that. And I just wanted to say that like, you had such a, such an impact on me. And there are so many people that are just so excited for this surge because we've always really loved you. And he got a little emotional in that moment and he was wearing a cowboy hat (laughs) and he just goes, he goes, ah, shucks, (laughs) ma'am. And it's just like the nicest thing. And it's just one of those things where, you know, like granted, an argument could be made that this groundswell of support is rooted in nostalgia, some, uh, an instinct that you and I yeah. uh, are sometimes suspicious of, but it's for a person and it's someone who uh, kind of fell out of the limelight in some cases by choice because he has his own me too story. That's what um, I was going to say. I don't yeah. know if you, cause that's that I'm sure some of the support comes from, Oh yeah, absolutely. From, from that. <laughs> and that's the other thing is, you know, there are, there are a few men that have me too stories and they tend as tends to happen culturally as well. Uh, they tend not to be taken particularly seriously. Um, and so like the idea that his, his story happened after the mummy, like he was a star mm-hmm. at this point, And yet someone still, touched him inappropriately yeah. and it and it got him even though he was a full grown adult yeah um and so i think there are a number of people that that just treat it as like a joke uh mm-hmm. or like well why you know hey you're a man why didn't you just like punch him in the face or whatever um and so uh so the idea that just being removed from uh hollywood by choice and then coming back and being a little bit bigger and you know he's he's balding and all just all of these things he's just not what people remember and yet there are a handful of people that will laugh at that but there are other people who are like we don't care we just like you and mm-hmm. we like what you who you are and who you were and everything in between and uh, it was just a very touching thing to see and i That's feel like great. we don't see that very often yeah i i um i'm a big supporter of of, of brendan fraser because mm-hmm. i like i think because I had seen, I guess, what year is Gods and Monsters? 98? 98. See, I was, I'm in high school, so, like, I think I had friends who, like, didn't take him seriously even when he, because he was playing George the Dungeon sure. and Dudley Do Right and stuff. And I remember, like, even at, as a teenager being like, no, he's really good. He's Yeah. Um, so I uh, am I'm glad to see him. Uh, he was really, really great. Uh, he was on season three, I think, of The Affair, mm, okay. um, where he played a... Uh, not good guy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and that, that was a really good, uh, uh, performance. Um, and, uh, you mentioned an interview with the moment that I remember from, I think I want to say it was a GQ interview where he first talked mm-hmm. about the, the, the sexual harassment and assault. Um, they're at his house, he and the interviewer and it, like things are getting heavy and he like sighs and he's like, I just, I think I just need to let some arrows fly. And the <laughs> interviewer thinks he's being metaphorical, but he goes out on his <laughs> back course. patio and picks up a bow and arrow and just starts shooting yeah. into his, like, cause he has like a big property or whatever. Yeah. That's like his therapeutic, therapeutic thing is to shoot arrows. <laughs> I think it'd be funnier if he lived on a suburban street and <laughs> yeah. just started shooting them across at his neighbor. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and by all accounts and, and you look at these interviews and stuff and he just seems like such a, such a humble guy who's just grateful 
to be where he is and to have been where he, where he was. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it just, uh, I don't know. There's just something about like someone that people didn't take seriously, but in retrospect, they realize how important he was to them from an entertainment entertainment standpoint and, uh, and being able to sh- and showing that level of support. It's, yeah. uh, very exciting. This is slightly off topic, but I was, um, uh, reading, um, I don't know how you say her name, Carolyn side or seed uh, mm. from, uh, AV yeah. club, yeah. you know, uh, she writes these amazing columns, uh, called when romance meant comedy. Uh, it's like a, mm. every other week or so about a romantic comedy. And nice. she, I love the way she thinks about romantic comedy. It's like my favorite thing that I look forward to. Uh, but she wrote about, um, and now I'm forgetting what the third movie. Oh, uh, it was the African queen romancing the stone and the mummy oh, is sure. like adventure romances that mm-hmm. are like, um, where like the, you in, in all three of those movies, the, the woman is, is the lead or whatever. Uh, and she talked about something that I hadn't even really thought about cause I never saw the mummy too. Neither did I. Yeah. So I guess, uh, and I also never saw what's jewel of the Nile. Is that the, Oh yeah. The I did, see, I so did remains, see that one. Yeah. So the romancing the stone sequel apparently like finds a reason to like split them up. So they have to get back together again. Mm-hmm. If you look at like Indiana Jones, he's got like Marion is his like, I guess romantic interest in the first movie, but then he's still got Kate Capshaw in the second right. movie. Uh, she was talking about how um, kind of refreshing it is that like they get together in the first movie and in the mummy two, they're just like a super happy married couple. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, I, I maybe want to see the mummy two. I only ever saw the first one. Yeah. As it turns out, it is possible to be happily married and tremendously charming as we saw from the uh, thin man movies. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Well, uh, before we go any, go any further, I want to tell you about tweakedaudio.com. Tweaked Audio is where you go for professional quality uh, earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors. They look great. They sound great. Tyler and I use them each and every day of our lives. Uh, I've been listening to so much good music uh, lately, um, including the new uh, Boldy James album, but I've talked about hip-hop too much uh, lately, and I always feel like I'm an idiot when I talk about hip-hop. So I'll just talk about there's new Future Islands music, and me being an aging hipster, you know, a halfway cool 38-year-old, obviously I love Future Islands. (laughs) Um, uh, Dave Letterman's favorite male, second favorite band after the Foo Fighters. Um, Have you ever seen that? Uh, when Future Islands, you know the song Seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, when they did Seasons on Letterman, have you ever watched that? No. It's the most. It's the most watched video on the Letterman YouTube account because hmm. um, it's it's an amazing performance of the song. But I think the reason people watch it is because the end of it, Dave is just so blown away. Uh, he just loves the band oh, so I'll, much, I'll and he says a very Dave Letterman phrase: "I'll take all of that you got." <laughs> <laughs> there are times when he's just so very Midwestern. <laughs> yeah. And that is, uh, that's a very Letterman phrase. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, there's new future islands music. I'll take all of it. They got, uh, sounded great at my tweaked audio.com earbuds. Um, you can, they're, they're available at a low, low price at tweaked audio.com. Yeah, I've done this for years and I still feel like, trip over the they're available at a low low price at tweakedaudio.com but if you use the offer code pretension at checkout you get one third off that low low price and no shipping charges so please go to tweakedaudio.com and use the offer code pretension what makes a life a good one is it the adventure you have or the friends you find along the way 
Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Tyler? Yes. Let's get into it, shall we? Let's do it. Um, You uh, wanted to talk about this topic, so why don't you introduce it? Yeah. uh, So, uh, I recently watched Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar and loved it and loved the the chemistry uh-huh. that our two leads have and it just got me thinking about uh you know how it's despite its inherent silliness it is also a very i don't know if i'd go so far as say touching but a very effective portrait of friendship yeah and uh and it got me thinking about you know other movies that are either actively about friendship or feature a very strong friendship. Um, and, and even though like, as far as the, like the list that I made, I, I tried to focus primarily on movies that are very much about, yeah, like it's front and center as opposed to just sort of a, a an aspect of it. Um, so yeah, I was thinking about well, mo- movies about friendship specifically. I, uh, before you go any further, I want to say, I'm so glad we started with Barb and star because the first thing that I, that occurred to me, when I started putting together a list is how many comedies there are about friendship, which feels inevitable to me because, but they even have like, there's even like, uh, I mean, super bad is another one. That's, that's like, that's a, a big one for, um, me, yeah. uh, and, and, and book smart too, which is, mm-hmm. I, I know it's like reductive to call book smart, like, <laughs> you know, a riff on super bad, but there's so many things it has in, uh, in common. Yes. Um, but super, super bad, especially like it's not just we're friends having a fun time. There's like friction and tension yes. and, and, and all of these things and um, things that could just as easily be done in a non comedic film. Why yeah. does that, why does this kind of real psychological like worry and question and, and preoccupation. Why does it so often manifest manifested comedies? Do you think? I think because, and you know what? I just thought of another one. Um, I think because for the same reason that often the most effective dramas are often quite funny because we, the audience lives life and we understand that when you're hanging out with people, uh, you know, the, the relationship you may have with this other person, it could be seen as sort of a dramatic relationship, but that's, but it's not without its laughs. And similarly, uh, and I think the nature of friendship is you start off. I remember CS Lewis, uh, was, uh, he wrote a book called the four loves. And one of them is very much about friendship. And it says like so many friendships start off with, and I know that ours did start off with someone saying, Oh, you too. Uh, it yeah. starts with that. And then, and so then it starts kind of, it stays kind of superficial and it's just about commonality. And then it's about something more than that. Right. But everything is agreeable and fun, but eventually there will be one moment of tension or disagreement or hurt or whatever it is. And then you have to decide, is this relationship, which previously was purely positive, is it worth this? Is it worth the, the difficulty 
that will inevitably come with any relationship? And then eventually the answer is yes. And so even in comedies, there needs to be some level of conflict uh, so that the characters have to assess how deep the friendship goes. Is it just that they have stuff in common? Is it just that they make each other laugh? Uh, or is it, can it actually, is it worth the, the natural friction that will come mm-hmm. from it? Um, and the one that I was thinking is uh, Talladega Nights. Where Which I've never seen. I think you'd like that one as well. Okay. And there's this wonderful... <laughs> it's This one is genuinely silly. Because again, like, like any other uh, like goofy friendship comedy, uh, you have uh, uh, Will Ferrell and John C. Riley. You have them. Um, they're, they're best friends. And then I don't even remember what the what the issue is uh, that that comes between them, but they decide they can't be friends anymore. But they're like talking on the phone, and, and at first they're they're like angry, but then just instinctively one says, "Hey, you want to come over and do this?" Like, "Yeah, sure." Wait, no, no, and <laughs> like they have to remind each other <laughs> that they're angry. Yeah. Um. And and that moment it has stayed with me. Even I haven't seen the film in many years, uh, but that has stayed with me because I feel like that's a very accurate portrait of of friendship even in a goofy ridiculous movie like that where you you can choose to hold the grudge but but actually like if you're close enough with someone holding the grudge is the choice you're making not like the 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 default is to stay friends uh and then you but you can choose to let this be a wedge and then in some cases like the wedge comes along and naturally you want to hold something against someone and see the differences and you have to choose to be friends. So like, I think both can happen in, in film. I think we've seen both, but, uh, but that one makes me laugh pretty hard because it's recognizable to me. Um, yeah, other comedies. Well, the other ones that seem, uh, obvious to me in these movies kind of go hand in hand in my mind, uh, bridesmaids and girls trip. I never saw Girls Trip. Oh, it's the better of the two, if you ask me. Okay. Um, it's got a good cast. I know that. Because I was looking up, of course, uh, possible things to include, and I realized, like, oh, I haven't seen that. But, and I yeah. was like, oh, why haven't I seen that? Yeah, it's, 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 it's very funny. I don't know. I feel like I, I, I rag on Bridesmaids uh, too much, but I just, like, I never feel like it strikes the balance, not only... I think it kind of does the balance between like the emotional stuff and the comedy, mm-hmm. but I feel like bridesmaids doesn't quite strike the balance between different types of comedy in it. Like sometimes it's very broad and sometimes it's yeah. very like smart and absurd and clever. And some like, it, it, and obviously sometimes it's people shitting in the street, which yeah. is not my favorite thing, but girls trip has people peeing in the street. So oh, I, can't, I can't complain about one. I'd be a hypocrite. Um, but, uh, so that's always been my, my, my problem with, bridesmaids like uh do you remember the part near the end of the bridesmaids it's it's like the sweet part where Kristen wig and rose burner are, are finally on the same page mm-hmm. and they're trying to get chris o'dowd's attention yes and they start acting like it's a sketch but it's it doesn't right it doesn't fit in in the moment with the uh, i don't know it, there is a quality to bridesmaids there's a lot i love about it as a as a whole but it really does feel it feels like an old silent film insofar as it feels like there's just a lot of gags and whatever the gag is in the moment is what they're going to commit to. And I do kind of, 
I sort of admire that, but it also doesn't really make for a consistent overall tone. Um, and as much as I adore Melissa McCarthy in the film, and I think she's, de- she's delightful. She's the best part. But she... But it's hard to believe she exists in the same universe <laughs> as these other characters. But she's, I mean, she's so consistently funny that I don't care. Oh, yeah. I just want her to, like... Yeah. She's nominated for an Oscar for I know. <laughs> her recognizing that she took more puppies than she could handle. <laughs> God, it's so funny. Oh, boy. Um, there's something else I was going to say about Bridesmaids, and I forget what it was. Oh, damn. Oh, well. Now, that's... Oh, what's yeah, I was just going to mention... <laughs> oh, uh, uh, I feel like I went through a period, and I think I talked on this on this podcast, I know a decade ago when I had a podcast called Previously On, it was about TV <laughs> with Sean, uh, a friend of the show, Sean Ingram. Um, he and I would talk about how we would get sick of John Hamm being funny because it, sure. it often felt like it was like, can you believe this handsome guy from Mad right. Men is funny? But like now that I have some distance from that, I look back and I'm like, yeah, he's funny. The, <laughs> the part in bridesmaids, I don't even know how to do it where he like finds out she's been dating somebody else mm-hmm. and he's like, Oh yeah. Can he do this? And then he just starts like feeling her up or whatever. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, that's very funny. I, I do enjoy when she, <laughs> I believe she's like stranded up by the side of the road and then he pulls up and he goes, boom, <laughs> and just goes, I think he goes, boom, fuck buddy to the rescue. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. He can be very funny. He's, uh, he's actually, he's also in, uh, no hidden, no sudden move. Pardon me. Oh, um, and, uh, his character is not particularly funny, but he does have some really, really nice moments cause he plays a cop and he, and there's a scene where he has to deal with. Uh, a, a young boy who has information that he needs and you just see like the shift as he starts talking to mm. Tim. So actually again, the film's full of good performances but uh, Sounds like but it's full of movie stars too. It sure is, yes. But not um, all of them are from St. Louis, Missouri like John Hamm. I think most of them are. Oh, <laughs> I didn't realize. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I, yeah, uh, I've got a number of, of uh, comedies here, but you've, okay. you've mentioned them. And I do think that while most of the films here are very affirming of friendship, I do have a couple here that kind of explore just sort of the, un- just the unfortunate inevitability of some friendships, like Ghost World. Uh, Ghost um, World is on my list. I yeah. forgot, before we went to Ghost World, I had okay. one that, um, a couple more in this broad comedy category okay. that I forgot to talk about. Um, that kind of surprised me when I thought about, oh yeah, these are about friendship. Um, 21 and 22 Jump Street. Sure. Are movies about people who were like not friends and right. like their sort of cautious growth to together to be to toward friendship. Now, for the most part, uh, I, this, this was not a rule that I was imposing even really on myself, but instinctively it's like, all right, I tried to remove, uh, films in which characters work together and are just sort of forced to be together and just sort of make the best of it. Yeah. Um, and but see, these two knew each other before they worked. Together. Exa- yes, yes, exactly. So I think that I think that works. Um, and then another uh, big broad comedy that also has Jonah Hill in it. That's about a friendship that had grown apart uh, is this is the end. Yeah. And that's very much about, about Seth Rogen and Jay Baruchel. Yeah. Like, their friendship is kind of like on autopilot. Neither one of them wants to like 
acknowledge that they've kind of grown apart yeah. from, from one another. Um, and the apocalypse sort of makes them uh, uh, be real with one another. It really, there's a lot. Theologically, the movie is a mess, but uh, <laughs> I remember. I don't think they were thinking about that, though. That well, I think Seth me. Rogen was thinking about it. I think um, if you look at that and Sausage Party. Well, Sausage Party, very, definitely, because I, I, yeah. I will go so far as to say I hate that movie. I hate Sausage Party um, for, for part of that reason, yeah. because it thinks it's got so much shit figured Boy, out. Boy, it sure does. But I guess I was like, I didn't, I don't love This is the End, but uh, I was able to set that aside, I think, for the most part. I rem- yeah, and, and so and so was I. Uh, I remember I was at uh, Comic-Con uh, the year that This is the End came out, and I was staying in Chula Vista, and uh, I got on the, uh, and I drove to the little train station that would take me uh, downtown, and uh, our friend Doug Jones uh, happened to be on that train, oh. and so he and I were talking and uh, and he sa- he asked what I'd seen lately, and I said I saw this at the end. He goes, "Oh, I saw it too." And I said, "What do you think?" He goes, "He goes, well, spiritually, it's a mess, but I laughed my <laughs> ass off, and uh, and that's yeah. about right." Yeah, yeah, it's um, funny. But uh, <laughs> and then uh, oh my gosh, I forget his name, Craig Craig Robinson, Robinson right? Yeah. That moment when he's talking about the difficulties of being an actor. And he the the tone in his voice is like he'd just been to Vietnam. And he's just like acting like it's hot when it's cold, you know, and just like he's got like this thousand yard stare when he talks about how difficult it is. And just like, you know, where it's 50 degrees and it's like, hey, let's go surfing. Uh, man, it's hilarious. Uh, as long as we're talking about funny parts from this is the end. Um, neither one of these two may, people make it past the initial. Uh, right. But there's a part where Jason Siegel and Kevin Hart are talking mm-hmm. and I'm so fascinated by the dynamic because the premise is Jason Siegel is complaining about the corny jokes on how I met your mother and like the corny, like married, like mm. Oof dad sitcom type of jokes he has to do. And he's complaining, but Kevin Hart doesn't get that he's complaining and just thinks all the jokes are super funny. <laughs> so he's like, so I mean, Jason Siegel's like, you know, like, my wife, the the wife is like, who ate the last piece of cake? And I have to come out with like, cake and I'm like, like, oh, who me? And Kevin Hart's like, you ate the cake. <laughs> uh, one of the biggest laughs for me is when Jonah Hill is praying. He goes, dear God, it's me, Jonah Hill from Moneyball. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, it sound like Chris Farley here. Um, yeah, okay. exactly. Uh, but yeah, so I do think that. Um, yeah, but but at the more so than anything theological emotionally where this is the end really works is what you're talking about. And it's so unexpected, but it works so well. I think both the actors do a great job of that. Mm -hmm. And that does bring me to, to ghost world where you have these two characters who are best friends in high school. And then, I mean, it rings so true. There are people that I was genuinely like as close as you can possibly be. And then just it's hard. You can't even really point to any one thing. It's not like, Oh, uh, you know, our politics, uh, change or anything like that. Um, it just, people just drift apart and it's very, it's very sad, certainly. But as you get older, you guys like, this is just something that happens and it's unfortunate, but Hey, we had what we had, which was fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Again, um, they're trying to keep it, together for a while without acknowledging they're, yeah. they're, they're going apart. I watched ghost world very recently. Um, 
so I have uh, a lot of thoughts on why they're why they grow apart. Sure, you sure. Know, um, uh, but uh, yeah, but I like the ta- I like the fact that when I watch the movie, if I objectively, I'm on, I can't remember Scarlett Johansson's character's name. But uh, I'm on her side objectively. Mm-hmm. But the movie's about Enid, so I'm on, I'm feeling what Enid is feeling. I'm like, yes. I'm so sad for her that she's losing her friend. Even though the logical part of me is like, yeah, be a grown up. Like your friend is being. Yeah, it's it. And to see them still try to to do what they've been planning on, mm-hmm. man, it's so it, it's a very sad thing, and it's it gets sadder as you get older because you can see, you see what's happening even when they don't. Fully. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but it, it, and it's handled in a way that like the fact that you are able to side with her, even mm-hmm. though she, Scarlett Johansson's character, even though she's not our protagonist right. speaks to, yeah. I think the maturity of the film and um, the maturity of Scarlett Johansson. I always point out like she's playing, older than she is she's only like she's yeah. like 16 but she's supposed to be a high school graduate yeah. it's so weird and then because two years later she's in laws in translation playing a 20 something i believe uh yeah i don't yeah she but um but it's also weird like um that thora birch is the age she's playing you know mm-hmm. it makes me wonder like so this is i remember watching after the last episode of modern family aired there was like a whole like behind the scenes of the last episode thing. And I realized from watching it, like, Oh, the girl who plays the oldest daughter. She's in real life. She's friends with all the adult actors. You'd think she'd be friends with the kids because that's yeah. the dynamic we see on the show, but she's closer in age to all of them. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I, I guess my question is, I wonder if Thora Birch and Scarlett Johansson got along or if Thora Birch was like, who's this little kid? <laughs> yeah. She's hanging out with uh, our friend Pat. Um, yeah, yeah. We should ask Pat. Did they get along? Yeah. <laughs> Were they besties? Dish, dish it out. Were they besties uh, in real life? Um, so I'm trying to see. I mean, there there are some things here that are comedic, like the Toy Story movies. Oh, okay. Um, although I do think that as as time goes on, like you know, the first Toy Story is Woody and Buzz becoming friends. The second, I think, is they are genuinely friends. But it's so interesting that certainly that even with the second one and most certainly the third one, they they uh, split them up. And with the fourth one, I mean, the, they're barely even on each other's radar. Um, but I, one of the things I specifically wrote Toy Story 2. OK, um, because in that one, more so than any of the others, uh, obviously the first one, again, it's about them developing as friends. But they are friends in Toy Story 2, and Woody has this moment where he, you know, he's a very neurotic character, and this idea of being, you know, paired up with the the crew from the TV show and then being in this museum and just, and having, and kind of finding this this meaning mm-hmm. that he's always been looking for. And then Buzz having to say, like, having to remind him of what Woody told him. You know, right. about like, no, you're this purpose that you're striving for. You already have it. You may not realize it right now because of who you are. And that really resonates me with me. Certainly as I as I've gotten older, the idea that like, you know, I, I if you ask somebody like, what is a what is a friend? I mean, it's such a big question that it's actually hard to, to answer you. I feel like 
I would just start saying the things that a friend does. And in my mind, one thing that a friend does is remind you of what you know to be true, but you seem to have forgotten. Hmm. And, and that movie really illustrates that for me. I mean, I haven't seen Toy Story 2, I don't think since I saw it in the theater, so I should probably... Oh boy, it holds up. Uh, check that out again. I remember it has... It might even be in the fake outtakes. It has like a flatulence joke that... <laughs> it does. And because I am who I am and how much I hate that, that that's yeah. what I associate the movie with, like... I also just, as I've gotten older, I also just don't like those fake outtake things. Yeah, they're really bad. Yeah, thumbs down. There's, so, yeah, Natalie and I, like, we, we're not fancy like you, Tyler. We have Hulu with ads. Oh, okay. We can't afford (laughs) your high-end, you know, first class. It's my in-laws account. Hulu, okay. (laughs) Um, So we see a lot of the same ads. And so there's one with that fucking Geico lizard. Okay, yeah, yeah. Where there's, like, outtakes. And I've yeah. grown to, like... Now, I just hate the lizard. Like, yeah. even when it's a not even that one. And, it, I, like, any time the lizard starts talking, I'm like, I, I don't like this fucking lizard. <laughs> now, technically, I think he's an amphibian. He's a gecko. But I get what you're saying, yes. A gecko's not a lizard? I thought it was an amphibian. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't care. I hate him anyway. I'm glad I got it wrong. <laughs> you know what? Um, Double down. Yeah. <laughs> Progressive has so many. Because they got, like, flow, right? Yeah. Um, uh, shout out to Stephanie Courtney. She's very that. funny. They also have you and I were talking about the guy who helps new homeowners who are turning into their parents. Which yeah. is like, as I'm like, I want to be like anti corporate, not advertised to. But yeah. I love those commercials. Like they're a TV show. I love that. It so feels funny. like it should be a TV show. Yeah. I know that uh, Geico had the cavemen right, and yeah. they tried to turn that into a TV show. Yeah. Rather disastrously. Yeah. All right. Um. Let's let's stick with comedies because I've got okay. some heavy stuff on here. Uh, as, yes, as, I definitely do too, as, as well. But um, uh, well, uh, here's an here's an issue though. So many movies about friendship are about women or, or girls. Do you know what I mean? Uh, yes. They're, I feel like it's rarer to see movies about male friendship that are just about male friendship. Yes, uh, that is that is the what I was going to say is that like you will find very strong, solid depictions of friendship and uh, definitely a willingness to indulge in that as though it were like a primary. Maybe in a way it is the primary story, but often within like a genre movie where there's something else going on. Um, that is a theme that I found in a lot of these things, mm. uh, in, in a lot of my movies, but, uh, which is why something like super bad really stands out. Right. Yeah. Um, because it's very directly just about this thing, but so, you're going to find a lot more, you know, now and thens and bro, I tried to keep mine to good movies. Like yeah. Uh, I mean, and I don't love bridesmaids, but I still yeah. like, I like it enough. I don't like now and then I do really like Romeo and Michelle's high school reunion. I, which I've not seen, unfortunately, but that's, I mean, talk about the thing you were just talking about friendship, what friends do for each other, like mm-hmm. keeping each other on, on, on track. Yeah. Like they, so often in movies about friendship, the friends have some sort of falling out, mm-hmm. you know, they go back to their high school reunion. They like, or get back into this high school competitive mindset about like the more popular girls and stuff like that. They start like competing or whatever. And they have to remind each other like, Oh yeah, you and I left this place 10 years ago and we have a great fucking life now. Yeah. Um, very sweet movie and also very funny. Um, 
uh, other uh, gentlemen, gentlemen prefer blondes. I haven't watched it in like over 15 years, but I like that. It's like, I like that their friendship seems to be like sort of the, the root, I guess like it's yeah. about like they're, you know, looking for men or whatever. Like that. Right. But I think the reason that the movie has aged as well as it has is, um, because it's about their friendship first. I agree. Yes. Um, uh, other, other comedies that I can think of before we, uh, move on, I guess. Oh, I like, here's a movie that I don't think you, if I recall correctly, you don't really like my best friend's wedding. And I specifically, I, I don't care for it mostly because our main character is a sociopath. Um, <laughs> but I specifically want to talk about how the, the best friend of the movie is, um, uh, Dermot Mulroney. Dermot Mulroney. Yeah. But the realization she has at the end is that Rupert Everett is yeah. her friend that that's, uh, again, like Romy and Michelle, she's like living in the past and trying to recreate something that her younger mind insisted on and not realizing until Rupert Everett is like right in front of her. Like, Oh yeah, I have a great friendship now. And it, I'll say this, this is to the film's credit, whether they're trying to do it or not. That is in its own way, like a little riff on, Oh, I'm in love with this person, but the person I'm really in love with has been next to me the whole time. Right. You know, except it's not about, I mean, it is about love, but not romantic, love. It, but not yeah. romantic. Love. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of an interesting riff on that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that movie. I know you're, uh, not so into it. Um, okay. I think that's all the like broad comedies. <laughs> I didn't mean comedies about women. Hey, uh, broad comedies. I also, Brassy broads. um, sideways is a comedy. Um, it sure is. Yeah. And it's, it can be broad at times. And that's definitely yeah. one that fits into kind of what we're talking about. We're like, these guys do have a shorthand. I think that's also something that you'll find in movies about friendship. Like when they do it right, there's just sometimes like they can look at each other yeah. and, and start laughing because they know what the other person would be thinking. But it is also about how over time people grow apart. Uh, and you kind of get the impression like, yeah, but these guys don't have a lot of other friends, really. Uh-huh. <laughs> so this is kind of what they're stuck with. Um, but yeah, it's and there is a boy. What a a really nice moment where, you know, uh, Thomas Hayden Church, his character has gotten his nose smashed. And so <laughs> as a cover story, they he wrecks uh, Paul Giamatti's car. Yeah. And. And then Paul Giamatti's like, he goes, well, wait, well, why, why wasn't I hurt? And then he goes, well, because you were wearing your seatbelt. And there's just this moment of like, they both know that that works uh-huh. because they both know that Thomas Hayden Church's character wouldn't be wearing his seatbelt. <laughs> right. And, and it's, it's amusing, but it also shows self-awareness and there's, uh, an understanding between the two of them yeah. that really works for that moment. Uh, well, this, that gets us into, into men. Which sure. I, I feel like uh, uh, is a like I said, there's not that many, but there's yeah. some really good ones. Well, you talked about, and I don't know if this would count on your list because it is coworkers, and it is a genre movie where the friendship is a side thing, but becomes very important by the end. Um, and I will admit, I didn't think of this on my own. It popped up on a list of movies about friendship that I looked at star Trek two, the wrath of Khan. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, which I haven't, uh, watched in, in, in quite a while. I watched 
Oh, I watched three through six <laughs> recently, but mm-hmm. I haven't watched one or two in 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 quite a while. But that's. Um, but I feel like I watched at least the end of Star Trek two because you see it again in Star Trek three. Three, but also that reference of like. Um, Spock, what does he say? I am now. And I always will be your friend. I yeah, believe. or always have been. So yeah, um, yeah. Uh, your your friend. Um, I, I, uh, I I like that because there. This is a long running story about men on missions together. I mean, yeah. men and women, but these two men are on uh, missions together. They have something to to um, to to accomplish, and it's like we didn't realize until Spock said it like oh you know the real mission was the friends we made along the way I guess sure <laughs> um, but uh, like they became friends while we were all watching them like shoot laser blasters and stuff and I think it's worth noting that like you know Spock is a Vulcan and he is not an emotional character and I think it's easy with a character like that to think that yeah, not being emotional doesn't mean you don't have attachments. And that moment, the fact that he can just very cl- very plainly say this thing is worth noting. And then also there's a, uh, I forget if it's at the end of that movie or at the beginning of the next one where he and Bones uh, like have a toast and it's to, to absent friends. Um, um, I think it's, that, I don't remember. You've seen them. Yeah, I think that's actually, because Bach is like, barely in search for Spock right. at all. Cause he directed it. Yeah. Um, and he shows up at the, at the end. So I think that's actually in the fourth. Mo- oh, movie. okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. He and bone. Cause at the beginning of the fourth movie, I think I don't remember that scene in particular, but I do remember, uh, cause yeah, after watching search for Spock, which is so dry. Yeah. Um, like voyage home is not like an amazing movie, but I think it's partially it's thought of as well as it is because it's sure followed up. It's wedged in between (laughs) three and five. Yeah. Um, but it almost, like there's no jokes in search for Spock at all. Yeah. At the very beginning of voyage home bones is like trying to get at these like philosophical questions about what's it like to have died and to come back to life. And Spock just like is giving him nothing because he's like, no, he wouldn't, he's he's just thinking logically and not getting it it's a funny moment Mm. um and i remember feeling yeah after just watching search of brock i was like oh this is so nice to me (laughs) who would have thought that uh, the absence of the driest character would uh would actually result in less humor yeah um yeah uh so i have a, a movie that i'm a big fan of that i guess could count as a as a comedy um is gridlocked Oh, which yeah. has uh, Tim Roth and Tupac Shakur, and and it's—I mean, it's not even really about their relationship to each other, but it is these two guys who are drug addicts, and they—they're uh, and they're in a band together, and their bandmate overdoses, and so they decide they need to like get clean, and it's something they're going to do together, probably you know, kind of out of solidarity and holding each other accountable and that sort of thing. Um, and it just so it is kind of a, a, a buddy comedy, yeah. albeit with some you know very real uh, ramifications. Yeah. Um, and the characters aren't the type to sit back and be like, you know, you know, and just talk about their relationship. But it's so clear in just the way they relate to each other. I feel like they have a very natural chemistry, the two of them in that movie. Uh, yeah, I'm glad that they're, they're friends because I hadn't thought about Train Spotting until you mentioned it. But Train Spotting is a movie sure. about people who are like friends because they're drug addicts together. Yeah. <laughs> like if you think of, I guess spoilers for chain spotting Renton's betrayal at the end comes from like, he doesn't need these people. Yeah. If he, you know, his, his loyalty is to, 
himself and his addiction first. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and that's why it's like a triumphant moment for him to like fuck over his friends, I guess. And it's, you know, it's, it's something that like, I've never been drunk and I've never really done any kind of drugs, but I, I, I have friends that have, and they do talk about how like there are people that you are friends with. Like this is literally the only thing the the CS Lewis. Oh, you too. The, the U2 thing was, Oh, you also get very, very drunk. Okay. Got it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, I can see that. and then that's basically it. And so if you remove that, then suddenly yeah. it's like, Oh, I don't actually even really like these people. Um, but yeah, so, uh, so I guess, you know, we got into male friendship. I do have some that are female friendships, but I guess they're in dramas. So we can get to those in a moment. But um, for me, like one of the first movies I think of is, is Lord of the Rings. Um, certainly oh, much sure. more than The Hobbit. Okay. Um, but and there's and there there you see a lot of different friendships form. Um, certainly Frodo and Sam. I mean, that's, that's the big one. And there's that wonderful line that I always get choked up at when I, when I think about it, which is Sam saying, I can't carry it for you, but I can carry you. Hmm. Oh, oh, <laughs> you shitting me? Uh, because that's it. That is the, that is the thing. Like, and that's why there was just the one set of footprints. <laughs> <laughs> Delightful. Um, but I also, so it's, it's moments like that where they really do, um, where the characters are re- really referring to their relationship, but you also find it with Aragorn, Gimli and Legolas where, you know, there's, there's a, a moment there at the end where Gimli says like, I never thought I would die right. side by side with an elf. And then Legolas says, well, how about a friend? He goes, ah, yes, that, that will work. He doesn't say that. Uh, <laughs> that'll do pig. Um, but, uh, the one that gets me is when Aragorn is going to leave the camp to go visit like the ghosts, like the, the ghost oh. King and stuff. And he's going to a dangerous place. And as he's going, like the two of them just sort of materialize and he goes, no, no, I need to do this alone. And then Gimli doesn't even give him the option. He goes, he goes something like, it's like, just accept it. We're going with you. And I, man, that touches me as well. Oh. This idea is like, no, 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 you, you don't understand how this works. There is no alone here. Uh, do you, do you not realize what we've been doing this whole time? <laughs> this is how this is going to work. And, and, and also just the idea of like, Gimli needs to get from one place to another. And he famously has said, nobody tosses a dwarf. <laughs> and, and so he t- says to Aragorn, he goes, uh, uh, you'll have to toss me. And so, and it's just little moments like that. Uh, you know, again, those moments of recognition between characters who have affection for each other. Uh, and I feel like the, the, the Lord of the Rings movies have that, uh, in spades and it's really, yeah. uh, that's what I, that's, my my takeaway mostly from those movies i feel like i didn't have enough um i guess i i introduced the like corny dialogue friendship with the star trek 2 thing Mm -hmm. um so i'm trying to think of more examples not that i think lord of the rings is corny but you know it's It's big um the only one i have on my list that it's a very different movie but has that very the similar sense of like men men are often in real life and in movies friends without being tender with one another. And so mm-hmm. you have to kind of see it beneath that. Sure. Um, and so a movie that I thought of, uh, in regards to that is the 25th hour, which is definitely a movie sure. about 
male friends who seem very different from one. One's a school teacher. One's like a yeah. wall street guy and one's yeah. a drug dealer. Like yeah. they're, they're very different people and they don't like hug it out or whatever. Right. Like he literally like yeah. has to beat this shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but that, that, uh, their bond is, is a, is a parent. Oh, a hundred percent. Um, yeah. and then, you know, as far as guys not, not being tender, one of my favorite, uh, exchanges in, in all of film is from double indemnity Oh, yeah. at the very end where Walter Neff says to keys and he says, the reason you couldn't you know, crack this one is because the guy you're looking for was right across the desk. And he says, he goes closer than that, Walter. It's like, Oh yeah. And it's Edward G. Robinson saying that. And a guy who's, who is seen as being like super sharp and and very cold. Uh, and it's just such a, uh, and he says it with, and he doesn't say it like to rub it in. He says it like, this is a thing that I am mourning at this point. Uh, it's a really wonderful delivery. All right. Well, as far as drama is with men. Okay. One, I maybe the first thing I thought of because I just saw it for the first time in May, and I don't know if you've seen it because you weren't on the TCM wrap up film festival uh, or TCM film festival wrap up mm-hmm. episode where we talked about it. Scarecrow with Al Pacino and Gene Hackman. I have not, unfortunately. Oh, oh it's uh, yeah about two uh, guys who were kind of like living on the fringes. They're hitchhiking. They um, immediately they start like in competition because they're both. Mm-hmm trying to thumb a ride and, uh, they decide to thumb a ride together. Um, and yeah, they're, uh, you know, Gene Hackman's very like stoic and grumpy and Al Pacino is kind of like, cause he's the little guy. He's yeah. his way of communicating is to make people laugh. He's the, the, the goofball. And so they, they're like a comedy team. The movie is often funny, but often very not funny yeah. at the, at the same time. It also has, I don't think I talked about this in the TCM episode. Uh, you talked about you were saying one of your favorite like lines of all time. One of my favorite bits of acting that I've ever seen in a movie happens and it's in the screenplay as well, but Gene Hackman really sells it. It's after they first like been, they've been hitchhiking. They like gotten someone's pickup. They've been on the road. It's cold. It's, uh, the 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 first stop they make after they get dropped off by the first person who picks them up, they go into a diner to eat some breakfast mm-hmm. And Gene Hackman just sits down and orders uh, a bowl of oatmeal. And then as they're talking, you know, they've been together for hours. So this is the first time they're really talking. And Gene Hackman's like warming up to this guy. And he keeps on like getting the waitress's attention and like adding to his order. He's like, you know, let me get some bacon. You know, let me get a, an, an orange juice. Like he keeps ordering more food yeah. as he's like opening up to mm. to Al Pacino. It's a great, it's, it's a great bit. And then I love that like when she like... <laughs> like he's been giving her this huge order and she brings like one thing wrong or something. He's, and he's like first day he's like, I totally acted. He's a dick to her after he's been, <laughs> <laughs> he's been doing it. uh, yeah. Cause he's not, um, an easy character to, to mm-hmm. like, um, it's such, such a great movie. You should definitely see it. And you know, along those lines and uh, from that roughly that era, um, I'd throw midnight cowboy in there as well. Um, with Dustin Hoffman and John Voight as these two guys who sort of, initially just see they're just kind of opportunistic and like, Oh, this is a friendship of, of convenience, but eventually they, and these are guys that do not express their feelings really at all. Uh, but it's, it's clear over time that they come to see each other as 
reliable and and then uh do, i forget if you've I've never seen it okay uh well i won't say i won't say how it ends but there's a, a certain uh, a certain tragedy to it um but i but, mean i've seen the final shot because they like taught it in my cinematography class oh, okay. in, in, in film school okay so you got it um <laughs> but yeah and so there's a, a real sadness there um let's see uh so a movie i don't like okay uh is tombstone yeah as i've said before yeah i've tried over and over but one thing that does come through is the relationship between wyatt earp and doc holiday as genuine friends um and admittedly uh doc holiday even said like people ask like why are you putting yourself in harm's way and he just says like well wyatt earp is my friend and mm-hmm. and it's just you know even a very clear uh just a very straightforward sentiment like that like you know uh in the star wars prequels anakin and obi-wan declare each other friends all the time and i don't believe it for one fucking second because it the script is so terrible and those two actors great as they are and i do think uh hayden christensen is doing what he what he's able to with that script um it just doesn't give them yeah it just tells us they're friends and then doesn't give us any evidence of that whereas here just in the in the way the actors are relating to each other you just really get a sense that there's like an affection there um and again like it's not a movie that i really like but those two performances i like quite a bit and their chemistry with each other really sells that uh there's something about (laughs) maybe this is just my hang up but like the idea of declaring yourself Friends seems mm-hmm. like weirdly childish to say to like use yeah. that word out loud. It's I don't know. It seems like uh, um, maybe it's especially when we're talking about men. It's like a vulnerable thing. Maybe sure. is, is part of it. Because um, uh, yeah, you're, when you were talking about Tombstone, it reminded me. This isn't a movie, sorry, but it reminded me of a line from Deadwood. Mm-hmm. Um, after um, uh, what's Garrett Dillon's name in the first Jack McCall? McCall, yeah. After McCall is killed by Bill and uh, um, Seth, uh, I'm forgetting everyone's name, um, but Timothy Olyphant's character, Bullock. Seth Bullock and Charlie Utter um, have uh, uh, gone to f- find him and bring him back. Mm-hmm. And they find him in like a work camp and they're like going to drag him out. And the people who are there are like, what are you doing? And Bullock says something like, you know, this guy, given, you know, who this guy is, I'm sure he's been running his mouth about killing wild bill well we're wild bill's friends yeah and then like the guys like stand back because of that yeah oh absolutely it's it is a a, especially with with male friends it's not it's rarely a line or a declaration that is casually thrown in like it is usually like that is usually the cornerstone of the scene right (laughs) you know um uh, I'll, I'll put in obviously, uh, stand by me. That's, that's a, a big one. It's one of the first ones that people think about. I was, uh, one of Jen's employees. Stand was, by me, or as I call it remains to be seen. I think I've made that joke before. <laughs> you know what? We're not friends. Anymore. <laughs> uh, but, um, but like, uh, Jen, had, Jen had an employee here today and uh, she was at one computer. I was at the other. And uh, where was Brego? Uh, Brego, who is oh boy, Brego. We've talked the, about Brego on the I podcast know, before. Yeah, but for those who haven't been keeping track, Brego is the dog 
of the the woman that lives with us in Jen's old office. Uh, and so occasionally, uh, Brega will hang out in here with yeah. us. Um, uh, he was back with, oh, with her, but, cool. uh, but yeah, so Jen's employee asked like, uh, Oh, are you recording tonight? And I said, yes. And she, she asked like, what's the topic? And I said, uh, movies about friendship. And she goes, Oh, like stand by me. Like it's yeah. the first, it's the first one that, uh, that she went to. And it's one of the first places my mind goes to. Cause I do think that like, that's obviously it's about childhood as well, but childhood friends. But it's also, uh, maybe the reason it doesn't occur to me is because I, um, I, I don't have a lot of nostalgia. Right. And it's, it's not just about childhood friends. It's about, it's supposed to be the past. You know, we, we, yes. we, we learn about them growing apart and stuff like yeah. that. And I, maybe there's something wrong with me that I don't have that. I don't, I don't think about my childhood friends. It's tough. I don't really have many. That's probably why. Right. I have a handful of, of friends that I've known since I was 10 uh, who live in Den? Well, we met in Denver, but now we all live in different places. But uh, and we don't talk that much. But I do still consider they're, they're my groomsmen, uh, and I do still consider them friends to such a degree that when we do talk, whether it be like in person or uh, on the phone or whatever, uh, the, like the the dynamic. Hmm. It granted, it's, it's a grown up dynamic, but it's still there. The familiarity, the shorthand, it's all there. Um, which is a strange thing to experience um, because there are people that I was close with and that dynamic has gone away when we, when we talk again, but, uh, but yeah, stand by me. And I would say, you know, the, uh, uh it, uh, chapter oh, yeah. chapters one and two. Um, certainly the first one, I think that the uns partially because of the, the directing, I think just the tone of it chapter one is a little bit clearer. And I think the, the actors, I never even saw the second one. It has a couple moments, but boy, it is it pales in comparison to that first one, um, mostly because of the the chemistry of the ensemble. Um, and uh, and speaking of of you know kids uh, getting in an adventure, I think the Harry Potter movies are very much about friendship, okay. um, male friendship and otherwise. Yeah, um, and I think it's because Harry is an orphan and because the only family he has seems to hate him. Um, you know, the, I, I think of that scene where, uh, at the end of five, where Voldemort is, has like, uh, infiltrated Harry's mind and hair and, but it sort of backfires on Voldemort and Harry essentially has all these flashbacks from like the previous movies and sees like obviously Ron and Hermione, but also the various adults that he's sort of befriended over time and just realize like, this is my, you know, th- like this is closer than any yeah. family I've ever had. And, and so it sounds like we have here is a fast and the furious situation. You know, it's I, not I, about I, friends. Uh, yeah. It's I, about family. <laughs> Fast and the Furious, not on my list, because those are not movies about friends. No, very much but, not. But no. Uh, I think I saw a meme <laughs> where it was like an Olive Garden commercial and said, it says, you know, when you're here, you're family. And then somebody photoshopped like a very excited Vin Diesel. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, all right. Uh, I only have a couple more that I wanted to make sure to talk about. Okay. These, uh, uh, these kind of go together in my mind, even though they're from decades and an entire mm-hmm. country apart. Okay. But, uh, um, Fellini's Eve at Haloni and Scorsese's mean streets. Oh, sure. I haven't um, seen, I sadly haven't seen, uh, the, the former, but I've seen the latter. Yeah. So, but so, you know, you get that it's, that's kind of like 
there's a looseness uh, and an energy to the way the movies are made, and, mm-hmm. and that energy is kind of. I guess kind of, I don't know if Husbands is on your list, but Husbands is another one yeah. that has like kind of a kind of a chaotic energy because there's an intensity to the men's interaction with one another, which isn't yeah. necessarily always friendly. Mm, but, I think it's safe to say. Well, and Husbands yeah. especially, yeah. yeah. But but like in in Eva Deloney and Mean Streets, they're both like these guys are kind of like a crew of friends, and um, uh, they're not always. The movie, I guess, in a similar way to what I was saying about Ghost World being, like, sympathetic to Enid, but also recognizing that um, she's, in some ways, the, in many ways, the cause of her own problems. Mm-hmm. Um, the Mean Streets guys are, like, as a viewer, I feel like I'm watching them. I get what their friendship is. I get their dynamic. It's all it's all there. In real life, I don't want to be within 50 yards of these guys. No. <laughs> and, and Eva Deloney has kind of that same thing, um, and definitely husbands. You don't want to be on the same uh, block as them. Boy, yeah, no. Uh, and it's, and it's, they're hard movies to watch, that's for sure. Um, so let's see, looking at my list here, the, I do have... So my primary list is like movies that where it's very much about this relationship, mm-hmm. I do have a handful of movies where it's not necessarily centered around a relation, uh, a friendship, but that's a big part of it. Um, Citizen Kane, specifically like Kane and Leland, mm. uh, played by Joseph Cotton, yeah. Cotton, because that is a situation where you have uh, these two guys that are that became friends in college. They sort of see each other's like kindred spirits. Uh, but as time goes on, one of them changes enough that the other can't really be around him. Like it, it becomes toxic. Mm. Um, and, uh, and there's a tragedy to that. So, uh, and similarly, I would say Beckett, uh, is another oh, that's one. That's such a good one. I wish I had thought of that. Yeah. It's, and it's very similar in that regard where it's just these two guys who are like drinking buddies and stuff. And then admittedly one of them, because like he changes, but for the better, he becomes a better person. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, his friend can't really take that anymore. And the one who can't take it happens to be the King of England. <laughs> so when the King of England's not thrilled with things, uh, stuff happens, but, uh, but a really, uh, what a wonderful movie with, uh, with two really great performances. That's, yeah. I wish I'd thought of that. Um, all right, I'm just gonna, we should probably wrap up. Okay. I'm going to run starting with, Male friendships, and run down a few that I didn't get to. Maybe some of these are on your list. Down by Law. Oh, it, sh- uh, it isn't, but it shouldn't. It should have been absolutely. Um, the Outsiders. I don't have much to say because I haven't seen it in so long. I've not seen it since seventh grade when I read the no, book. I've in probably school. seen it more recently yeah. than that, but not that much more recently. It was probably yeah. in high school when I saw The Outsiders. Uh, the Shawshank Redemption. Sure. Um, there's a movie. Um, and I'm drawing a blank on the director's name. He made This Is England, which was one of my favorite movies of the past 20 years. But he made another movie called Summerstown with the same kid from This Is England that's, mm-hmm. like, about, like, uh, well, I mean, you talk about, like, people who are friends because they have something in common. This yeah. is basically about two, like, very poor kids mm-hmm. who are friends because they are both very poor. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm laughing, but it's a very touching movie, but also very, like, it's kind of, it has, like, some things that you might consider kind of like a raunchy comedy, but it's from a point of view of like 
well, yeah, because these are twelve-year-old boys. Yeah. That's this isn't like oh, we think this is so much fun. It's that's that's the kind of stuff they would do and talk about the twelve-year-old yeah. boys. Um, let's see what else about men. Uh, Swiss Army Man. Sure. Oh, how did I not mention with Nail and I? Oh, of course. Yeah. Yes, very much so. Yeah. Um, the the two that I that I didn't mention that fall into again what I was talking about where it's not about the the relationship, yeah. but. Um, Peter O'Toole and Omar Sharif in Lawrence of Arabia, oh, like yeah, that, cool. like you see the beginning of that friendship and it's not a friendship at that time, but as time goes on, uh, they become very close and you do get instances where Omar Sharif has to sort of like remind Lawrence of like what he knows and kind of keep him down to earth as he develops kind of a Messiah complex. Um, in right. the heat of the night is a, is another big one for me. Oh, um, with these two okay. characters who, I mean, they are not friends for a while. Like they certainly start out as enemies basically. And then very slowly yeah. I have this grudging respect and then it's not so grudging. And then they actually seem to develop an affection for one another, uh, until I'd say they're friends in like the final scene. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only, yeah, there's, that's what it's leading you know what, there, there's a scene where they are hanging out in Rod Steiger's house and like just eating and, and drinking and just kind of talking about stuff. Okay. But they, I mean, that's really one where they don't delve into anything deep. It's all just in subtext. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that one is, I mean, I guess it is about, you know, them, them bonding. I guess it is kind of about their relationship in that instance. Um, the last one was on my list. Uh, I forgot that it's about, uh, boys that I didn't bring up. It's cause it's not, again, it's not the main point of the movie, but did you see wonder? I didn't. Okay. Well, there's, I'd heard thing. It didn't seem like my kind of thing. Oh, it's no, it's really good. Okay. Um, but yeah, there's a part, you know, Jacob Tremblay's character yeah. has like a facial, like, mm-hmm. um, disfiguration. It's not, I can't remember exactly what the, what the, uh, cause was. Um, but he like was homeschooled. He finally starts going to school. He makes a friend, a legitimate friend. And then he hears that friend making fun of him to like the cooler kids. Mm. It's, Oh, it's so mm. painful. That's, uh, <laughs> yeah, this is what I mean. This is not my kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, uh, Gosh, I'm trying to think if there's any. I mean, there's a few that I didn't mention. Thelma and Louise is. is oh, a I didn't. One. Yeah, I had more. Oh, yeah, Jules and Jim is. I had more. Uh, I was trying to think of male ones first. Jules and Jim. Yeah. <laughs> not your favorite movie either. It's not. It's um, you know, as I've as I've said, and I know it's just kind of the nature of the film. It's like Jules and Jim, the story of a woman who ruins everything for everybody. Uh, <laughs> um, don't be wrong, people. You I, know, every. I don't think that's really what happens. Obviously not. Yeah. But yeah. Um, Oh, another one I, I forgot about men. The uh, another one of the first ones I thought of, uh, Point Break. Sure. Which I know, that's one of those movies that I think people talk about because I think there are movies like Little Caesar mm-hmm. that has legitimate like homosexual subtext. Yeah, I think so. Point Break is one that gets talked about like that, but I think I think they're just friends. <laughs> I don't think it's like I I understand why people read that into it that there mm-hmm. might be something more there but uh uh i think it's okay for guys to be just friends <laughs> yeah i and it is it is as i was as i was making my list i did want to actively remove 
that because that yeah. is a different dynamic. Yeah, that's why I didn't put Little Caesar. I didn't put uh, Wild Reeds. If you were saw that nineties movie, from no, nineties no. French movie, really good. Uh, but I thought of it and I was like, well, no, they're like lovers or whatever. Yeah, um, and like uh, I did not incorporate the movie Clerks here, but these two guys. It's a pretty good depiction of of friendship, but then you get to something like Chasing Amy, where it okay. is heavily it's it's overtly stated that right. Jason Lee's character is probably in love with Ben Affleck's character. So I was just like, okay, well, because of obviously, yeah, that that can still be a friendship, but you there's this other element that's been introduced, and it's so it changes the dynamic. Yeah, and I mean, like, I do believe. Like Nick Frost says in Hot Fuzz that Keanu Reeves can't kill Patrick Swayze because he loves him so much. But I sure. don't think it's a no, no. romantic love. I, I think he's either. just uh, he's just enthralled by this guy. Uh, and speaking of such things, I do think uh, in uh, Shaun of the Dead, I feel like him and, and Nick oh, Frost, yeah. that, that's a fun friendship as well. Uh, all right. Yeah. So I have more lady ones. Yeah, I've got a few. Uh, end with. So, um, well, I'll start and then I'll then you can end. Okay. Uh, just going alphabetically, four months, three weeks, four months, three weeks, and two days. Okay. Um, or uh, never, rarely, sometimes, always. Which, but that's they're related in never, rarely, sometimes, always. They're cousins, mm. so I don't know if that counts as friends. Um, it, I I feel like it could. Yes. Okay. But four months, three weeks, and two days is about. Uh, yeah, one girl is looking uh, needs an abortion. Her friend mm. helps her go uh, and find it. Um, what else did I have? Uh, Celine and Julie go boating. Um, I said gentlemen prefer blondes. Oh, here's another thing like, like Eva Deloney and Mean Streets movies that I think of, uh, hand in hand, Francis Ha and Claudia Wilde's girlfriends, which I only somewhat in the past year saw when Criterion put it out on Blu-ray. Right. I saw Francis Ha and I definitely, yes. Yeah. But that, they're both movies where like you get a taste of the friendship at the beginning, but it's really about one of the, per, one of the people like coping or not coping with the fact that, that this, this friendship has ended. Yeah. Um, both great movies. Uh, and did I have any other uh, lady friends that I hadn't gotten to? You mentioned Thelma and Louise. No, okay. I think I think I covered my list. Um, I'll throw Steel Magnolias in there. Never saw it. Uh, which, I mean, it's uh, it's really cheesy in a lot of ways and very very broad in a lot of ways. But it's got a, just a killer cast. And uh, now I do think a lot of it is is built around um, like a. Uh, like a hair salon. So there's a, there is a coworker quality oh, right. okay. there. Um, but there's also customers and, and all of that. Um, and you do have a situation where, uh, one of the characters experiences loss. And so all these other characters, you know, come around that person. Um, but, that uh, reminds me another one that I, cause I was talking about like movies that I think are about, like closeted gay men. I didn't want to put on here. I didn't put fried green tomatoes on here because yeah. I don't, I think of them as being in love in, and I guess, uh, from what I understand in the novel, that's like not as, as much of a reach <laughs> that was like, right. that, that, um, but, uh, it's uh, when I, when I think of fried green tomatoes, I think of them as being r- romantically involved. I do as well. Um, and most everyone that, that I talk to, cause I talk about fried green tomatoes with everyone I know. Yeah. I, I did <laughs> I not phrase that well. Um, <laughs> But like when talking about fried green tomatoes, that is a big part of what we discuss, uh, of what we all talk about. Yeah. Uh, even though the film, I think it's entirely possible to watch that movie and genuinely just think it's about female friends. I, I, I wonder, 
if you're just not tuned in yeah, that's, to that. That's, um, I do remember I like not this past June, but the year before I talked about in the movie journal, um, three German movies that I had, uh, it was, um, uh, Victor und Victoria, right. Uh, right. Mention in uniform. And then the earliest one was Michael. Mm-hmm. And I remember talking about that movie as being like, maybe at the time when people weren't see, used to seeing gay romances or gay relationships depicted on screen, the, the movie Michael could have like flown into the Shit. radar, but like anyone who's halfway aware of gay people could not watch Michael and then think that they're just like, Oh, this guy just really likes his assistant. He's really, is, they're really on good terms. <laughs> like, so I, I wonder if yeah. Frank Green Tomatoes being what, like how old is that movie? 20 It's almost 30 years old at this point. Right. Cause it's, like, I believe it is. I believe it is 30 years old. I yeah. think 91, 92. Yeah. So I, 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 I wonder if you showed a new audience that movie, the same movie yeah. now, if, if more people would go like, Oh yeah, they're lesbians. Like I remember my, my, we, we watched it when it was like a new release. So I was young, but we all watched it and my parents really liked it. And I don't know if my parents, I mean, in retrospect, I look back and I know and I think of the kind of movie watchers they were. It's like, no, they probably picked up on it. But yeah, they're not like Carmelo Soprano. <laughs> yeah. No, Do you remember the Billy no. Bud conversation? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and then, of course, her little movie club talking about Citizen Kane. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah. But and then Thelma and Louise, I think. Uh, I mean, I, I mentioned it. That's also a 1991 film and mm. uh, and another one that like. You know, it's it's obviously friendship uh, under under duress. They were close already, but uh, it's definitely putting yeah. Uh, it's it's driving them closer together than maybe they ever would have been uh, otherwise. But uh, you know, that's something that. So, of course, there are themes of of friendship in any kind of you know platoon movie. Um, sure, yeah. But uh, but that's a different thing. Yeah, uh, I'm sure someone at home is listening, going, "How could you not have mentioned beaches?" Sure. But I, like I said, I tried to keep my list to movies that I thought are, think are good and I don't like beaches. I have not seen beaches in many, many, many years. Um, and I don't have, obviously there's the song. I know the song. Yeah. Um, look, there's a lot of great, Gary Marshall is responsible for things that made a lot of people happy mm-hmm. and a lot of things <laughs> that he made. I like Yeah. as a director of motion pictures that I, I just, that I don't think that was his bag. I mean, he, it's stupid of me to say because he made a gajillion dollars directing, you know, this and pretty woman and and stuff. But I just, uh, I'm not a fan of any of his movies as a director, as a performer. He may be, I don't know, one of my favorite performers (laughs) ever. (laughs) Like he's a guy who got real tuned into how he comes across and played it wonderfully. I remember like he was, I don't remember if he was like the owner of the company on Murphy Brown or whatever it was, but he was like a high level executive. And so he would show up every once in a while and just be hilarious. Mm-hmm. Of course. Uh, I always enjoy and on, when, he's, uh, when he's on, on, on Louie. I don't know if it's safe to talk about Louie, but on Louie, he was, they never called him Les Moonves, but he was the president of CBS Yeah. Uh, on, on that. And then there's, I don't like, again, I don't like Hocus Pocus either, but uh, I love that he and, his sister Penny Marshall play a married couple in Hocus Pocus. It's weird. <laughs> that's that's. <laughs> I mean, nothing romantic happens in the scene. No, but it's just like they're like an old married couple that the yeah. witches like torment. That's uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen Hocus Pocus, and this is not driving me towards it. Uh, it's, um, no, it's really bad. Yeah. Despite, obviously, the presence of our friend, Doug Jones. Yeah. yeah. Um, All but, right. Uh, yeah, undoubtedly, people are like, screaming at their computers that we forgot this that or the other it's it's yeah let us incredible. know band let of outsiders could be in there i think oh okay yeah. um but i yeah. said the outsiders but uh yeah different this thing. one they have a yeah. band <laughs> exactly they're dancing in public yeah the whole deal all right um you can find us at battleship you can uh email us at david at battleship or tyler at battleship you can follow me david on twitter at davy pretension you can follow tyler at tyler pretension you can listen to my other podcast the one where i met your mother uh where 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 natalie and i my wife natalie and i watch an episode of friends an episode of how i met your mother uh and compare and contrast this uh uh, this week I'm finally caught up enough to where I can remember what episodes posted this week so mm-hmm. I can start plugging uh, this week we talked about the Friends episode uh, where we meet Chandler's mom played by Morgan Fairchild who's oh, okay. a successful romance novelist and we get the first New Year's Eve episode of How I Met Your Mother which is um, well I think Natalie thought the first great How I Met Your Mother episode okay so uh, it's a definitely definitely a fun one um and uh, it had the the Friends episode has a funny joke. Ross gets drunk, which is a very high your mother thing to do. Okay. Ross gets drunk in the episode. He's doing shots of tequila. And then he picks up an empty shot glass and puts it to his eye and says, anyone need anything appraised? It's <laughs> <laughs> a funny joke. That's funny. All right. Uh, and what do you have to plug? Oh, nothing. Uh, wait, that might not be true. Depending on how I'm feeling once you leave, I may okay. be I may be recording an episode of More Than One Lesson Ooh. tonight. Uh, but by the time this goes up, it will be recorded, uh, and I'll be talking about First Reformed uh, over exciting. at uh, More Than One Lesson. So get ready to listen to me talk about the Book of Ecclesiastes a lot. Good, because uh, uh, pretty intense that book. All right. Well, uh, I'll have to check that book out. Um, yeah, it's in the library. <laughs> yeah, I'll order it from Amazon. Um, uh, until then, thank you for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet. 